Hey guys, welcome to the Wild PPC Bunch podcast. My name is Lazar and I'm a PPC nerd. I have over 10 years of experience in online advertising and currently I'm the owner of the growing Amazon advertising agency called Sellers Alley. And I'm Brent, the owner of AMZ Pathfinder. I started this company five years ago and we've been working in online advertising since 2013. Every week we will spend around 30 minutes covering one topic and it will get nerdy, I promise. We'll prepare a topic covering everything from PPC basics, in-depth strategy, and current trends. One thing's for sure, you won't be bored and you will hear insights, tactics, and ideas straight from two experienced agency owners. So strap in for the ride and enjoy. Hey guys, so today we're going to talk about one interesting topic. Um, it's automatic campaigns and what's their real value. So, Brent, you have been using automatic campaigns since like the start of time ever. <laughs> since day one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, they have been there since the inception of sponsored products, which I think was late 2014, uh, along with very basic uh, manual campaigns, which were broad match only at that time, if my memory serves correctly. But yeah, they are definitely like one of the uh, the grandparents of uh, the advertising we have on the Amazon platform these days. <laughs> yeah, I remember first time when I when I saw automatic campaigns, just like you said, like four or five years ago or something. Before of that, I, I used to work on AdWords and Google Ads, and um, like for the guys that are coming to Amazon space and they don't know the match types and campaign options and all of it, it's more or less something like um dsa campaigns campaigns like dynamic search ads mm -hmm. that, that's something that 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 i try to like to link together because uh automatic campaigns are more or less there to to, to give amazon an option algorithm an option to try to target your uh, tar target search queries by by what you have in in, in your product listing basically yeah, yeah. and i think um they all have a really low barrier to entry, right? So even if you're average Joe Amazon seller, you don't know much about PPC because that's not your specialty. You know, you're focused on product and sourcing and running other parts of the business. You can get an auto campaign set up in five minutes and that can start driving sales and at least visibility and, um, you know, impressions within that hour, right? And you can start to see that data and pull that out of there. So yeah, really low barrier to entry. And to go back to the Google background uh, aspect, I mean, uh, I also have that kind of same background. And when I first encountered auto campaigns with Amazon, I was immediately suspicious, actually, because anytime <laughs> that the advertising platform wants to like manage the keywords for you, um, if you have any experience with PPC advertising, you know that a lot of stuff is going to get caught in there that's like not the best. <laughs> um, and at that time, uh, we'll get to this later. There's no ability to set negatives for ASINs, for instance. So you'd just be spending against things involuntarily you didn't want to. So there are some drawbacks to them. Um, but actually, in Amazon's ecosystem, which is a very closed loop with advertising, auto campaigns do have a lot of things to bring to the table if they're properly used. Yeah, exactly. I completely agree with you. As you mentioned, they're no-brainer for everybody that starts selling on Amazon. It's super easy to set up automatic campaign. There's literally not much that you can do. Well, now as Amazon is adding more and more features, uh, and we're going to cover all of the features in in a couple of minutes, but like you have more and more options with automatic campaigns, and even though you're letting Amazon uh, target customers, basically you you have 
a lot of control, like what kind of customer you're going to target, what what kind of stuff you don't want to show up for, and so on. So basically, uh, when when you create um, your perfect setup of of the account, one of the first things that you want to have there is basically automatic campaigns. Uh, we use them as safety nets. So we use them in a whole bunch of different strategies. So one of them is uh, the one when it's just like safety net with low bids and like that's it. We, you have manual campaigns that are triggered by by keywords, and you can use uh, you can you can use some uh, for some other campaigns, async targeting, and so on. Like, uh, but for automatic campaigns, you just leave everything to Amazon, and you harvest what you get there. Yeah, exactly. So they go from what we call it the pipeline in my company, but you know you have a similar process. I'm sure it's, it's called many things, but essentially you're taking the search terms and now ASINs, ASIN targets that are working. And you want to take those and migrate them into campaigns where they're uh, isolated, where they have more dedicated budget. You can control the bids and exposure better. So auto campaigns are, in a way, uh, one of the main harvesting methods for that. Um, at least that's that's how we run it. And that's that's probably the primary use of them, I, I would think. Yeah, for those that don't know how to harvest them, basically you go to search term report and uh, take the data from automatic campaigns, and basically that's it. There, there's, there's not much there. So, but you, you take the information about search terms or ASINs, and like for ages, there, there was a, pro- a huge problem. Like we mentioned, I think in in a previous episode about how to negate uh, ASINs in in campaign. And I, I remember telling you last time that one of the the guys that we worked mm-hmm. with heard somewhere that if you add um, negative ASIN or something like that into um, product targeting campaign, you end up like teaching algorithm that your automatic campaign shouldn't show up for ASIN. But finally, they 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 solved yeah. it. Like the, there there is no witchcraft. Well, that was an interesting theory and and you know a fun one to bat around. It you know I don't have any proof either way, but yeah, I think the the end the end of the story is that late July, yeah, right? late July of twenty twenty, they they finally solved putting that in air quotes, the problem uh, that they pretty, probably could have solved earlier. And the implementation of it is is quite good. I mean, you can add a whole bulk list of them in there. You can do a, a you know just a bunch of like uh, ASINs broken up by a line break. Um, and then it's quite clear that you're excluding targets specifically, you know, product targets, ASINs. Uh, the actual keywords is another sub tab inside, uh, inside the little tool to do it. So really happy that's finally happened. And, you know, put out kind of an all points bulletin to everyone on the team the day it happened and like, okay, implement this as fast as humanly possible because this is going to be immediate cost savings, uh, help us with duplication of search term issues and like exposure issues. Um, and yeah, just basically get it going as, as soon as humanly possible. Yeah, when it comes to strategies about about automatic campaigns, I, I know that people are using them for literally everything or anything. Uh, as safety nets, like a regular one. So you get one product, one ASIN in one ad group, and that's the targeting method. Or some of them are using one product per campaign, just like single um, ad group campaign with, with one ASIN. Some others are branching out with more more ASINs in, inside of one campaign. Um, one of some of the interesting theories and some of the in- interesting strategies that we tested and what the, that we saw in the accounts is having all of the products in one ad group, 
Right. Yeah. It, it's such a fun one to do because it's actually like, it's kind of like naughty, <laughs> you know, it's going against a lot of the, the best practices that we usually preach and observe, but we have one of those catch all campaigns. We call them mm-hmm. catch all. And I really like your safety net kind of analogy that we, cause we do that too, but we don't have such a nice name for it. Um, the, the, the catch all, it's just like, yeah, put everything in there. 15 cents us, let it churn. Cause it's going to come back with a really great return on ad spend typically, but you know, you're not going to have any targeted efforts that are going to boost keyword rank or really blow out the doors of sales. But uh, yeah, it's that catch all you guys did. Yeah. Thing. The other thing that is like super similar with, with what you're doing is um, nickel campaigns. I, 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 I heard so many people creating um, auto campaigns with like one ASIN in them and like just like the regular ones, but they, they literally place the lowest possible bid on the market and they keep mm-hmm. it that way mm-hmm. just to see if something is going to happen. It's like from two cents to 10 cents, depending on the niche, like where you, where you can place like the lowest possible bid and you keep it that way. From our experience, like you get one or two sales per week that way. And ACUS is never above 5%. <laughs> sure. Because you just got lucky like one or two times. And uh, yeah, continuing on the uh, on the topic of strategies, I mean, two things we've also tried and don't use as widely um, is kind of more of the Brian Johnson school of thought with waterfalling, right? So you might have one campaign that has a low budget and really, really high bids for auto. And then after that spends or is exhausted and hits its cap for the day, um, you know, it, it goes over to the like normal bid level ones. And then those just run and churn continuously. Um, Another strategy we've used is like a 72-hour like marathon approach. So you say, hey, this product, what if we just went in and we put a high budget and very high bids and we ran this auto for 72 hours and we just take all that data from that giant burst of exposure and then process that and see if we turn up anything new from that. That's an interesting strategy we've used intermittently. Uh, I wouldn't say that's something we do regularly. But that could be that could be fun if you have the budget to support it and the clients, you know, on board with the idea. Um, so I also uh, put that out there. It's just like a, a, a tactic. I'm not really sure. I think Danny McMillan is a fan of that one. Yeah, we probably got it from <laughs> Danny. Yeah, I mean, we, we we talk frequently enough that I've definitely had a mind meld with him over some things. <laughs> so. Yeah, that, that that might happen. So, and what what do you think about adding? Uh, negative exact keywords from other campaigns like everybody should add negative keywords in automatic campaigns for something that is irrelevant but what 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 are your thoughts about basically adding um, negative keywords that are positive keywords basically in other campaigns right right so you're using negatives basically as traffic police you know they're not there to block the, the bad spend they're there just to redirect traffic uh, yeah, personally, a big a big fan and proponent of it. Um, and the software we use, it it helps automate some of that process um, to to make sure that the traffic is flowing in the right direction. I've heard some people say, and let me know what you think about this. That like that's bad to do because you're you're training Amazon to um, not show your uh, products for a particular ASIN or keyword. But I've never seen any evidence to substantiate that personally, and that's not really how you know uh, negative keywords are, are set to work. I will say, like in any account, the distribution of negatives should be much greater in in the match types where it's more open and kind of like uh, you know not as guided spend. So your broad and your auto campaigns are going to have by far the most negatives. Phrase or yeah, well, um, well what 
we usually do we we don't negate those keywords necessarily and like by default uh we we let them work at at the beginning and if we want to optimize spend more and if we want to have more like passive approach or something in that case we would um, negate them but one of the the things that i heard from many sellers saying about um not doing it and like it kind of makes sense is is like automatic campaigns sometimes have uh some ad positions that are not the same as for sponsor product um campaigns with with manual targeting with keyword targeting Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. that's an interesting idea i'm not really sure about that but it kind of makes sense in case amazon's because they're testing like a whole bunch of stuff all the time like one of the la- latest things that I saw, I didn't know if, if you saw it, like when you go to the uh, product listing, I think, or on the Amazon, like on the search result page, on the right side, you see what you added into cart. Oh, uh, yeah. I saw that two days ago uh, when I had accidentally added uh, a product <laughs> I was looking at into the cart. At one point, probably they're going to add some some ads there. So... I, I'm pretty sure, like that's just the idea. It's it's like just the options, and and th- that's the main reason why I don't feel like we should do it all the time. Like if if you have the budgets, if the numbers are okay, I would still keep automatic campaigns working just because of some crazy stuff that Amazon is doing from time to time. That's a really good point. Yeah, I, and I I agree that I think the place where they're going to test new ad placements for sponsored products. Is probably going to be through the auto efforts first because I know that autos show up on. Um, I mean, this might be outdated information at this point, but all autos will show up on mm-hmm. checkout pages. Like if someone buys something and they go to a checkout page, I think only auto campaigns get placement there. Um, you know, feel free to correct me, anyone who has a, a better idea about that, because Amazon's very close to the vest with these things when it comes to ad placement locations. But I, I think that auto is the first to receive those new uh, rotations and, and changes. So I, I see the validity to that. Yeah, there, there's one thing that it's definitely changing stuff a lot that happened like a couple of months ago, maybe a bit more. They added close and lose match type. What's what's your experience with uh, close and lose match with when it comes to automatic campaigns? I I have mixed feelings. Yeah, sure, and I'm gonna blow your mind. I'm gonna blow your mind, Lazar, because Ooh. I looked up Amazon's blog post on this. And really? Yeah, it was actually August of last year. <laughs> it was oh, wow. Yeah, that's how fast time moves with, with Amazon advertising. You're like, oh, that feature just came out. And then you look at it and you're like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> actually, it's been out for a year. Uh, but no, the thing is, like, Amazon is adding a whole bunch of stuff and they're moving everything and everywhere. And, and like, I, I didn't literally have idea what happened last. So, yeah. I, I'm 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 amazed knowing that it happened a yeah, year ago. Yeah, it's been a whole year. So this is <clears throat> when this came out. I was like really happy about it because we have close and loose, which are keyword types, right? So in auto, we get keyword and ASIN, and then you have substitutes and complements, which are ASIN, so product targeting. And that wasn't clear at first, but after we analyzed the data, like, oh, okay, so these are these four categories, and uh, what we'll do then. For our best practice, we'll build individual ad groups per the different um, targeting types. Amazon actually calls them match types in the blog post, but they're not really match types, if you ask me. They're targeting types. And so um, we'll build it for individual ad groups. And the reason for that is we can then set at the ad group level negatives. 
<clears throat> even if you have them all in the same ad group, you can still switch them on and off and you can still moderate and, you know, uh, mess with the bids individually. That's, that's useful. Um, but we just do it in different ad groups, not all the time, but you know, most of the time. And we typically find that the, um, I think the, uh, the compliments for ASINs is usually like one of the worst performing and loose match is usually the biggest spending for keywords and also the worst performing. So sometimes we'll end up with just close and substitutes or we'll, you know, disable all of them except for close. And that can have a very interesting impact on the auto campaign because it's like a, you know, it's an auto campaign that's only very narrowly targeted towards one of these four options. Yeah, well, we we have literally the same experience when it comes to numbers mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. which types are working the best. Only difference with us is we are doing it at campaign level. We're not creating different ad groups. We literally create separate campaigns for it. I know that if you're super neat and you don't want to have million campaigns in um, in the account, it's not the best way how to do mm-hmm. it. But on the other hand, I feel more secure because um, we can we can monitor budgets better. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's correct way how to do it. But overall, I, I, I feel super comf- comfortable that way. It's more or less the same thing. Like, should you place different match types in different ad groups or in different campaigns? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's about the structuring. Right. And if budget's your main reason for doing it, then it's totally valid. So what you're saying is you do different campaigns for each of those targeting types. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's definitely going to multiply the the campaign load. But if you can handle it, then, hey, you know, why not? This is why people like agencies to handle that complexity. <laughs> yeah. And it's really good if, if you know how to use bulk files. You don't even need to use any specific software mm-hmm. or any mm-hmm. specific tool. Just have Excel and that's it. Just download the account, create spreadsheet and... And, and like add new campaigns and these ones are the easiest to to find oh yeah we we never uh discussed about how you see you know that asterisk um symbol in, in search terms oh yeah that's worth discussing and also what match type it is so uh yeah why don't you why don't you go for it then yeah for the asterisk when when you start advertising and when you start looking at search term report that's more or less first thing that you're not aware of and you have a huge question mark next to it, like <laughs> not knowing what's it. Basically, that's triggered from automatic campaigns and you, because there is no keyword there that triggered it. So it's switched with uh, with a symbol. With just a simple asterisk. Yeah, that's probably, I would say, yeah. Lazar, you might agree, the number one most asked question on any PPC Facebook group for the past like four Literally. years is always like, why is there an asterisk? Because that's what the keyword is being shown as. Now, the match type, Amazon changed this, uh, I want to say sometime late 2018. I do not have that blog post in front of me, um, if they even made one. But it's now just <laughs> dash, right? So you have you know, your broad, your phrase, your exact, and then you have dash. So that's the match type. But the actual keyword that it shows up in as a keyword report is, um, is an asterisk. Yeah, so if you're wondering what the heck that is <laughs> and why you have $7,000 spend against asterisk, that does happen sometimes. Um, there, there, there was an, another one that that was frequently uh, questioned. I think it's it, it was about deal of the day or something like that. I, I think it, it it had in search term reports. Oh yeah, talk about ad placements. So if your product is featured as deal of the day, and you have auto campaigns running, then those ads will show up on like the deal of the day uh, slot along with mm-hmm. the product. Is my understanding. So then. That 
that keyword that comes from that is deal of the day. And so that's only, you know, for that day, ostensibly, it's deal of the day. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, short term. But you usually get a lot of spend for that keyword. And so the, the metrics are usually like, um, not not the best. I mean, you get good sales through deal of the day usually, but the, the placement for that ad for that brief period of time, um, I, yeah, that's a great point. I forgot about that entirely. Yeah, that, 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 that's a really good advice, you know, like, Slow down with your automatic campaigns when you have deal of the day, or you can start crying when you see your search term report like a couple of days after the deal of the day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, ultimately, it's up to you. But like, if you have deal of the day going and you have an auto campaign, know that that auto campaign is suddenly going to get a lot more spend and exposure during that duration. Yeah, and you already decrease the price for of the product for deal of the day, obviously, and your margins are super mm. low during that period. Like, I know people... Uh, going to deal of the day just to get traction for the future or to mm -hmm. ba basically it's not about making money on that on that day but to get some reviews to get some but like um you know when <laughs> when when you do some sale and like for deal of the day or or like for black friday or cyber monday or like q4 sale or whatever like you know when you get reviews like they're not that good like they're not mm. as good as those that that you get when when you sell something for the full price because people it, it it sounds really bad from my side but like people that that go to to buy stuff on sale usually can place like not that good review comparing to the guys that are buying that that specific product during the year you're saying it's a different kind of customer quality perhaps yeah you know and yeah. those are verified reviews but those people might have different expectations surrounding yeah surrounding it yeah yeah, exactly. It, it sounds yeah. really bad. I know that I sound super bad, but th that's the truth. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't think it's that bad. <laughs> it, it's, it's an observation. It's a viewpoint, which I think is probably a valid one. You know, people who, all kinds of people shop on Amazon. Yeah, obviously, there's millions and millions uh, of different individuals on there. So Yeah, and you know that the Germans, like when, when you're selling on German market, one of the things that, that basically um, is, is a common trade there is that you get the most negative reviews there in Germany just because Germans are people that want to have uh, full information about the product and mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. when you don't when you don't meet their expectations they they don't mind like writing a negative review and it's really hard to 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 convince them that 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 you can you can improve anything there so yeah, like they have high expectations that need to be met. Well, I wonder yeah. what the average reviews like, you know, per Amazon category. If you went and you looked at all the, uh, you know, toothbrushes on, on on Amazon Germany versus America, it'd be like, well, in America they're all five star, four point seven, you know, and then in Germany it's like, well, they're generally speaking three point nine. It's like, <laughs> um, so maybe the overall averages for the marketplaces are lower, so therefore it's kind of like a different competitive landscape. Yes, yeah, so we, we 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 should do an episode on reviews. Yeah, well, yeah, well, <laughs> that 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 was my next sentence. Like we kind of changing the yeah. topic, so let's not do it. But what's what's good about Amazon Germany or Amazon Japan, especially, or some some um, marketplaces where you don't know the language, you should definitely start with automatic campaigns. Like that's the the main advice. If you're not having anybody. Um, in the team that speaks that language or if you're not hiring an agency that is doing translations or if you're not getting, uh, hiring like uh, us yeah, to, 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 or, or fluent, to be honest people, whoever it might be. yeah it's yeah. one of the main KPIs for you guys in 
that that you have native speakers for in EU. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, we but we also equally rely on auto campaigns in you know France. Like it doesn't matter. We have a French native, but like yeah, we, they still run autos, and it's useful to see what the search term ecosystem is out there. Um, because of course, just like in English, even a native speaker is not going to know all the potential millions of keyword combinations for the thousands of products in a catalog. Like that's just not not possible. And this is where the autos come in and are useful. But yeah, if you're say an English native and uh, you're going into uh, Japan, oof. <laughs> Unless you know Japanese or have someone on a team, that's going to be pretty tough. So uh, you know, Google Translate will not save you uh, in all cases here. No, 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 and no. And autos no. are going to do some heavy lifting, especially when you have uh, kanji and hiragana and katakana all there, mixed up. all mixed yeah, up. That's good. It, it, it's so confusing. I studied Japanese at the university, so. I kind of understand some some of the stuff there. I'm not super fluent mm-hmm. with in in Japanese, but I I kind of understand like half of the things that I see in the search term report. But still, it's so tricky. And like um, the idea, like are uh, the terms in 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 katakana mm-hmm. going to be triggered if you wrote the keyword in in kanji or like whole bunch of different stuff? It, it's It's super, super true. Add to that, that a lot of Japanese will mix in English with their Japanese. Yeah. Yeah. So then there's like technically four different ways to go about it. Um, and maybe we should have uh, Nick Katz on the show sometime. He's a, he's a English guy in uh, in Japan who knows all, a lot about the, that market. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he even visited me in, in Belgrade like maybe six months ago or something. Maybe a bit more. Oh, he's a no, dude. It's, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bit more because like Corona and all of that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, more than anything. Yeah. All right, but let's 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 get back on topic though. That's <laughs> that's a good point, Lazar. One thing I want to talk about before we close out and before we uh before we talk too much uh too much nick up too much is a recent blog post from Ad Badger, a uh, friend of the show, Michael Michael Erickson, who is actually referencing another post by Destiny with Sean, uh, also a friend of the show. We all know each other in this business. But this is a great post because what the what the theory of it was is basically Why use auto campaigns for a new product launch? So what do you think about launching products with auto in 2020, you know, in mid-2020, where we sit right now, Lazar? What, what, what are your thoughts about that? Like when, when you don't have other campaigns or you combine automatic campaign with other campaigns as well? Well, I don't know. How do you do it? Like when it comes to us, we create push campaigns. We create mm-hmm. other campaigns. And like at the beginning, I remember like when you and me used to work together, One of the mm-hmm. main ideas at that time, and like that's the old strategy, uh, we used to create automatic campaigns and then wait a bit. And then from there, we would start with manual campaigns. But at this point, we, we definitely create automatic campaign, push campaign, and some like basic manual campaigns and async targeting campaigns. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we do exactly the same thing. <laughs> <you just> <laughs> okay. Because I think in, 20, in 2020, there's... You know, to start with just an auto is really selling yourself and the product short. Because if you have some theories, you know, you have some hypothesis about keywords that you think are going to work and, and win, well, why not test those right from the get-go? And I'm assuming that this product has no reviews or maybe very few reviews, right? So it's a pretty, like, new product, um, you know, a handful of them or something, not a lot of sales history. And the central thesis of this blog post is basically go ahead and... Uh, Look at what suggested keywords Amazon has for the product. Um, and they, in this case, they use toothpaste. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like they used the Colgate that had a bunch of data, right? 
thousands of reviews versus a new product that had no reviews. And so what Amazon pulls out and puts in auto campaigns is based on the product's content, but also its sales history. So they had a lot more to go off with Colgate. And so the auto results from there were far more relevant than the ones for the brand new product, which were actually a little bit confused by what was in the title and what was in the content, because yet again, maybe the copy for that new product is not refined as it could be, although it's, you know, it's, it's in a good place, but it's not as refined as it will be in six months after you get more data. So Amazon hasn't really done an amazing job with indexing that uh, new product. And so those results in auto are going to be like, you know, mediocre. And so uh, I think their conclusion is basically like, well, uh, autos are useful, but really rely more on manual these days instead of focusing on auto. Yeah. Uh, do I suggest that like a seller still uses auto for, as part of a launch? Yeah, because we do it. You do it. Yeah. And so like it, it's a component, but is it the only thing you should do? Is it no. the 2018 strategy of set an auto and wait for a week or two? No, I don't think so. Not anymore. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Maybe we should ha have one episode with like all of the strategies how to launch a product because I, I know that there are so many like big names in the market that they have their own strategies we we basically have some some of our own strategies how we do it so like i know that brandon young has one i know that tryon has another one ben cumming has a third version like there's there's a lot of like different stuff that you can do there and like maybe we, we should create some idea why you should do or create specific campaign or like why should you push in one way or another or like why should you target to top of the search instead of like something else or so on? Sides and downsides. Yeah. Well, you heard it here first, folks. That's one of the future episodes <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah, we have a list of them. <laughs> we have a list. Let's add that to the list. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I don't really have too much else to say about autos. I think we covered pretty much everything. All the different targeting types, upsides, downsides, budgeting, building. Uh, anything else off the top of your head, Lazar? No, I think we are good. I th I literally think that that we're good. Like there's nothing else that you can say about automatic campaigns. Probably if you want to prove us wrong, and and if you want to tell us more about automatic campaigns, or you want to ask us something, feel free to send an email to ask at wildppcbunch.com, or just write to Brent or me. So we would be more than glad to to talk about the specific topic or like cover the specific question during our podcast episode. Yeah, we'd love that, actually, to get some some feedback from listeners. I know we've got some emails, uh, but I think you mentioned Lazaro. It was maybe a spam. <laughs> I got excited when you told me, but I was like, oh, no. Oh. So, yeah, we, we want to get some uh, get some listener feedback. And if you have any uh, if you have any complaints specifically, just email Lazaro. I don't need to see that. You can yeah, for complaints, you can go with Brent. Okay, I think we're done for now. Thank you so much for listening right. and let's let's talk next week. That's it. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Thanks. Bye.